I just want to uh, right now uh, welcome our Traders Point family across all of our physical locations. Those of you joining us online, we're really glad to have you with us. And, uh, you know, over the past several weeks, it's really been encouraging to me just to see this room uh, filling up. And I know that our other campuses are beginning to fill up as well and to see more and more people come back in person. And uh, there are some people that I've never met. In fact, it's almost like we've got a brand new church in some ways because many people joined us online during the pandemic. And now that uh, things are opening back up, they've come for the very first time. Others, like I haven't seen in over a year and it's like uh, kind of like a reunion, you know. And uh, the most common thing I think I hear all the time is uh, I didn't realize how much I missed it. I didn't realize how much I missed being in person with other people worshiping. And so um, I am so thankful for the technology that we have that connects us regardless of where you're tuning in from. But if you live in the Indy area, I just want to invite you to come on back and uh, to experience it for yourself. There's nothing like being in the room uh, with other people. And uh, we are in, if you're just now joining us, in week three of a four-part series of messages. And what we're doing is we're taking our time Uh, to unpack uh, one story that Jesus told uh, about dirt. And it's found in uh, three of the four Gospels. Uh, We're looking in particular at the one recorded in Luke, Luke chapter 8. But Jesus tells this story. It's oftentimes referred to as the parable of the sower or the parable of the seeds. Uh, As I was studying for this uh, message, I was reading one commentator, and I love how he described this parable. He said, uh, the parable of the sower is the mother of all parables. And then he goes on to say the reason why is because Jesus uses it to explain why he often taught in parables. And Jesus' favorite method of teaching was storytelling. And he knew that he could give out plenty of propositional truth statements about the kingdom of God and how that manifests itself into our lives. And uh, he certainly did that on occasion. And there's nothing wrong with propositional truth statements. They have their time and their place. They are vitally important. But Jesus knew that a propositional truth statement um, is likely not going to make it out of your head to your heart and into your life until it gets embedded in a story. And so Jesus would use stories to help us understand the kingdom of God and what God was doing in our lives. And so he would tell stories about um, lost coins, sheep, and sons. He would tell stories uh, about a treasure uh, buried in a field. He'd tell stories about a foolish builder who built his house on sand and a wise builder who built his house on the rock. And in Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells a story about uh, dirt to help us understand Um, the way in which the seed of God's word grows in our lives and maybe even more importantly, why it sometimes doesn't. But I kind of feel like I need to clear something up from last week because last week in between services, I had a very kind lady come up to me and she told me that she is a soil scientist. (laughs) And I got to tell you, like, that's terrifying, right? You're like, I should have talked to you ahead of time. And, um, but she was very, very kind. And she came up and she said, you know, I'm a soil scientist. And I said, you know, what did I get wrong? And she's like, oh, no, you, you got, you know, mostly it all right. She said, she said but I, I do wish that you would have used the word soil more than dirt. And you know what? Uh, she's completely right. You see, there's a big difference between dirt and soil. See, soil is where things grow. But dirt is what you get on you while you're working in the soil. 
Dirt is dead. Soil is alive. Dirt is made up of sand, silt, and clay. Doesn't have any of the nutrients, minerals, or living organisms that bring about growth like soil does. It's just that the word soil didn't look as good on a graphic. (laughs) So we went with dirt, but I just want to clarify, she is 100% right. And I think that there's a lot of uh, connections to our own lives and the way that we grow. Because you see, beneath the surface of the soil, like that's where things grow. The challenge is you can't see the growth. You can only see above the soil where it's kind of dirty and where it's messy, a lot like our lives. And life is messy and it's complicated and it's painful. And anyone with any experience in life whatsoever will usually tell you that it's in the painful moments of life where the most potential for growth can happen. And personal and spiritual growth most often takes place in the the fertile valleys, not the mountaintops. In fact, your potential for growth is connected to your threshold for endurance and pain. Because, you know, a seed isn't a living thing, but if a seed could talk to us, it would probably be like, no. <laughs> like it didn't want to go into the dirt. It doesn't want to be buried. It's claustrophobic. <laughs> Feels like it's being closed in on. But if, and if the seed could talk to us, it would probably say, this is painful. It's dark. Like I, I'm coming apart. Like I'm, it feels like I'm being destructed, but there's new life and there's new growth that is coming out of what appears to be the seed's destruction. And in the same way, growth is a painful process. Speaking from both observation and experience, like, listen, you're not going to grow without pain. And so if you're always opting out of pain, you're not going to grow. In fact, could I give you today's message in a sentence? Is that before God does something through you, he'll always do something in you. And I think all of us want God to do something through us. All of us want to know, and maybe it's phrased this way if you grew up in church, you know, what is God's will for my life? Others of us were kind of like, you know, what, what's, what, what should I do next? And should I marry this person? And should I take that job? And should I make this decision? And we've always got all these decisions out in front of us. And this last year has been so disorienting as far as it goes around decision making. And I think all of us want our lives to count for something. We, we want God to use us. We want him to work through us. And that's not a bad thing at all. In fact, uh, God's word is very, very clear. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, whoever you are. But here's the thing is that he'll do something through you before he does. He'll do something in you before he does something through you. And it's that growth process that can be so painful. Now, listen, I wish that wasn't the case, but unfortunately it is. And as we come back to this parable today, specifically as I kind of hone in on verse 14, that's part of the point that Jesus is trying to make with this story is he's trying to encourage those of us who have, there's been some growth happening beneath the surface of the soil and, and, and we're going to see that there's even um, a, a breakthrough through the soil, but there's going to be some things on top of the soil that are going to threaten that growth that wants, God wants to do in and through us. And so just to recap where we've already been over the last couple of weeks, if you missed it, is that we've said that God's word or the content of God's word is the seed. And our hearts are the soil. And the seed is going to do what it's going to do. It is consistent and reliable, but my heart isn't. And the condition of my heart It can be hardened. It can be rocky. As we're going to see today, there can be thorns or weeds that threaten the work that God wants to do in us and through us. And so I want to come back to the parable today and just read a portion of it again, specifically focusing in on verse 
14. Let's look at the story again, starting in verse 4. It says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable, earthy story with heavenly meaning, to a large crowd, so all kinds of perspectives in the room, that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on. Didn't even get a chance to take root. Birds of the air ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. Like, it began to grow. It, be, it began to drip down into the soil, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Now, skip down to verse 11. Jesus says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they're not, they're not rooted. They believe for a while, but then they fall away when they face temptation. Now, verse 14, this is what I really want to drive down on today. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they, they never grow into maturity. And growing into maturity is another way of saying like, this is maturity is God wanting to do some things through you. God wanting to use your life and your personality and your circumstances to make a difference in this world. That, that's, what the, that's what our maturity should produce. And he says here that the difference between the seed in verse 14 and the seed that fell on the footpath or the rocks is that this particular seed, it, it got a chance to take root. Something began to happen underneath the surface of the soil. And you see, that's the whole purpose of planting seeds in the soil is so that something will, will grow from it. You, you don't bury a seed in the soil and then yeah, say, you know, X marks the spot, we'll dig it up later. No, the next time you expect to see the seed, it's going to be completely transformed in the form of some sort of a harvest or some sort of a plant. That's the whole purpose. In fact, next week as we wrap up this series, we'll see that through that one seed, a harvest can come that is multiplied by 30, 60, even 100 times. Exponential harvest. But here's the deal. That process takes time. And that's oftentimes what can hold us back or set us back because speaking for myself, like I know that like I am just a results oriented kind of person. Like I, I want to achieve and produce and accomplish. And listen, that is not a bad thing. It's just not necessarily conducive to growth. See, personal and spiritual growth usually doesn't happen quickly or on our timetable. And we, we, we want it to. We want to see results immediately. Otherwise we're like, well, what good is this? Like, it's like if, I, I, if I'm... If I'm going to withhold myself from eating the donut, I better lose five pounds like right now. <laughs> like if I'm going to get up and go to the gym early in the morning, like I better see the six pack abs coming in by Friday or I don't know that I have any more use for this. But there's, that's just not how personal and spiritual growth work. In fact, it's not up and to the right. It's usually a few steps forward and a few steps back because God's trying to do something in us before he does something through us. And in the soil, the seed is supposed to grow. It's going to grow. You got to trust that it will. If you plant it and fertilize it and water it and weed it, it'll grow. But it's going to take some time. And while we are waiting for that spiritual growth to happen, it just feels like 
there's just nothing going on beneath the surface, just a lot of waiting, and you're wondering if there's going to be any results. And here's what I'm just wondering today. If there's any of you living your life right now and you're just sort of staring at the dirt of your life going, where's the growth? And I mean, I, like, I've been trusting in God's promises in this certain area of my life, but I don't see any results just yet. I don't see anything green coming up through the dirt, especially in the last year that we've had with, I mean, uh, all of the circumstances with the pandemic and with uh, all the other social unrest and everything that we've seen. And it just, here's just the word that I, I just wonder if somebody feels, you feel like this today, you just sort of feel buried buried with all the circumstances of life, waiting for God to do a new thing. And there's just a lot of pain and a lot of pressure and maybe you're exhausted and maybe you're feeling like just tapping out or giving up. And I just want to loan you some courage today. See, here's an important principle when it comes to spiritual growth is that God wants to take what happens to you, being buried by life circumstances, to accomplish his work in you so that he can fulfill his purpose through you. And this is the equation in which God most often works and you can't rush it. See, we often want the harvest without having to plant or cultivate the seed because what happens in the ground, like that's not very exciting and it may not seem like anything is happening. In other words, we want God to work through us without necessarily taking the time for him to work in us. And we're looking for the easiest results we're looking for a shortcut to spiritual growth. There's a technical term for this nowadays. You've probably heard it. It's called the life hack. And we're always looking for life hacks, you know, the easiest, efficient way to maybe get something done, kind of a, a shortcut to try to manage our time. And I, I did a little bit of research this last week on some life hacks. And this is what I found. This one right here. You don't have a TV monitor on the plane. Just put your phone in a Ziploc bag. That's a life hack. Right? You just have a little bit of entertainment right in front of you. Another life hack was never fly low again. Like if you've got a problem with your zipper coming down, just get a little, you know, key ring and fasten it up. It's a life hack. You're welcome. <laughs> Maybe this one right here, you know, you, just want to, you don't have time to eat ice cream and Nutella. Just put it all together, right? That's just it's going to save you some time. And those are silly, but... I think oftentimes that's what we're looking for. It's like, hey, you know, tell me what book I need to read. Tell me what class I need to take. Tell me what I need to do so I can take the shortest path possible to my growth potential. Like I just want to get to the place where I know what God wants me to do. And you just can't microwave that process. I wish you could, but you can't. It's more like a crock pot. God just got to marinate some stuff in you. And I don't know, I, I wish I could tell you that's not the way it goes, but it just is. And, and oftentimes we are looking for a more fun, more efficient way to get the results that we want. I was kind of reminded of this this last week. I was on my way into the office and I, I swung through Starbucks like I uh, often do. Just went through the drive-thru, ordered my usual drink, nothing too exciting. It's just a grande dark roast. And the lady on the other side of the drive-thru monitor, she said, um, hey, if you can tell us what year the Queen 2 album came out, you'll get your coffee for free today. And I was like, what? You know, I'm like trying to, like, am I being punked right now? And so I made a guess and it was wrong. And she said, second guess, I second guess, it was wrong. Apparently don't know my Queen albums. And then, and then she said, I guess she felt bad for me. She goes, well, if you can sing any Queen song, you'll get your coffee free today. And, uh, and so I'm trying to flip through the catalog. The first song that came to my mind was We Will Rock You. 
And so I sang, we will rock you into the monitor at Starbucks. And man, she, we will, we will rock you, right? All right, no, I'm not gonna do it. No, I'm not gonna do it. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. That's gonna end up on YouTube. So I said that and, and she cheered on the other side. And she was like, oh, because like, I'm guessing she tried to get a few people to do that and they wouldn't do it. And so she cheered. It's all, you come around, you get your free coffee. And so I queued up, We Will Rock You on Spotify. I had it cranking on my truck when I pulled up. And they all like laughed on the inside. And they came over and gave me my coffee. And I was like, you know what? That is the most pleasant experience at Starbucks that I've had in a long time. And we had a great start to the day. And I thought, well, that was, that's, way, that's way better than paying you money <laughs> for my coffee. And I just thought, you know, I just wish that like spiritual breakthroughs happened that way, that it was fun and it was easy and it was efficient. And yet, I mean, we're just looking for spiritual growth, life hacks. And I want God to use me in a significant way. Can you just give me the funnest route? Can you just give me the most interesting route, the most entertaining route, the fastest route? And I want him to do it now. But the reality is that what happens to the seed in the ground takes time. And I wish that it didn't. My guess is that farming would be much more popular if the harvest was instant and free of resistance. And I'm guessing there'd be more Christ followers if the same applied. See, if, if farmers could plant a seed and then reap an instant harvest, there'd be a whole lot more people in the farming business. But the harvest takes some time. And I think many of us, like, I don't know, maybe you gave your life to Christ on Easter and you got baptized and the last three weeks have been brutal. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus and you thought your marriage would get better. It got worse. And you started to follow Jesus and you thought maybe you would experience some financial um, freedoms, but you actually got hit with some unexpected bills. Maybe, the, maybe your emotional health hasn't gotten any better. Maybe it's gotten worse and you're left sort of scratching your head and you're looking at the soil and you're looking at God, is gonna do, are you going to do anything new? And it doesn't seem like you're doing anything new. And it's easy for you to maybe just kind of wave the flag and say, maybe this... Maybe this wasn't what it's all cracked up to be. And we just want to microwave this spiritual growth. I'm just wondering if any of you are staring at the ground right now and nothing seems to be happening. And you want to give up. And I just want to encourage you today that what happens in the soil, underneath the soil, the part that you can't see, it takes some time, but God has given a promise. You just stay faithful and he'll eventually yield a harvest of some kind. See, here's the thing, and this is where Jesus kind of gets it. He mentions this like third type of soil where, you know, the initial seed falls on the footpath and doesn't even get in the soil. The second type of seed gets into the ground, but there's rocks just underneath the surface that doesn't even get rooted. But this third seed, you start to see some results. There's some greenery that eventually pops up through the surface of the soil, but there are some external factors that threaten to choke out the work that God wants to do in you. And Jesus uses the analogy of thorns. You could even say weeds. They really both apply equally. And the picture is that the seed gets sown and God begun, begins to do a work in us, but then there's some external things that begin to choke out or threaten the work that God wants to do. And Jesus just mentions three very specific things. And I think these are so applicable. He says one form of a thorn or a weed is just the worries of this life. You get focused upon that. The other is the deceitfulness of wealth. And the third is the pleasures of life. 
And Jesus gives these three rather broad categories. He says, hey, be, be careful. Like, just be on guard. Like, I'm going to, seed's going to do what it's going to do. God's going to produce a harvest, but there's going to be some things that threaten it. And when I, when I think about thorns that threaten the harvest, what comes to my mind immediately is one of these. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. It's a locust tree. It's an intimidating looking thing. My first experience with locust trees was when I was in college. I had a short stint working part-time at a farm. Didn't last long. If I have to do manual labor for a living, our family would starve. And, um, but I remember uh, there was one season where there was a bunch of uh, some smaller locust trees that had overtaken a field. And they had given me an assignment to clear all the locust trees out of this field. It, it was nasty work. I mean, these thorns, like, I mean, I saw thorns off a locust tree puncture a tractor tire. I mean, it was, there wasn't much growth in the field with these things taken over. So when Jesus talks about thorns that threaten the work that God wants to do in you, that's what I think of. I also think about weeds. And I said last week that left untended, the soil of our hearts will naturally grow hard. Same thing is true when it comes to landscaping. You know, it's, it's springtime here in the next few weeks. We're probably all going to get out in our front yards and we're going to begin to mulch and we're going to go to war with the weeds. Have you ever noticed that um, you don't have to plant weeds, they just grow in fact, they thrive and, and it seems as if the weeds grow faster than the things that you plant. And they are a landscaper and a gardener's nemesis. You know, no farmer is going to purposefully go out and plant weeds in a cornfield. I don't even know if you can buy seeds for weeds. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure where you would buy weeds. Now, I said weeds, not weed. And some of you are like, well, I know you're, you can get that, Pastor. Right. I mean, no farmer is going to purposefully or intentionally plant weeds in a field where they were hoping to reap a harvest. And in fact, a good gardener doesn't cause the seed to grow. It just creates the condition for the seed to grow. So you weed your garden. And you're going to have to do it on a repeated basis. The Bible has a word for that. It's called repentance. And it's just like on a daily basis, I'm repenting. What is that? Well, I'm just weeding my garden. I'm just removing some of those things that threaten to choke out the work of God in my life that he has already promised that he is going to do and accomplish through us. And I think the condition of this third seed really hits home for all of us because I think it's where so many of us live. See, just as we begin to experience some growth and you begin to see a little greenery pop up through the surface of the soil, it's easy to get preoccupied and distracted with the weeds and the thorns that threaten that work. So just real quickly, I'll unpack it. Jesus says one of those is the worries of this life. That's a weed. Most of us know what it's like to fall asleep at night, filling our minds with all the worries of this life. And then within waking up, minutes of waking up, we're on our phones reading all the news of what happened that went wrong while we were sleeping. And everything that's going to go wrong throughout the day and because of our current pace of life and all of this information overload, it's, it's called the age of anxiety. We just can never shut our minds off. So why does worry choke out the work God wants to accomplish in us? Well, I think this is the key here is that worry is consumed with what is happening around us and leaves little emotional energy to reflect on what's happening in us. It's always looking at the external circumstances rather than God wants to do through us, through our circumstances. 
And when we compulsively check the news or our social media feed, it's just like weeds and thorns that choke out what God is trying to say and what he's trying to produce in us. Jesus also said that the deceitfulness of wealth is like a weed. You know, money can become a great driver in all of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And it, it, it affects our decisions and it affects our personal peace. And have you ever noticed though, that um, however much money you make just never quite fully seems to be enough. Like you're always kind of like, you know, if we just make a little bit more then we could kind of relax, we could rest, but then you finally get to that place, but it doesn't necessarily feel like you can. That, that's what the deceitfulness of wealth is. It always promises more than it delivers. It's a great servant. It's a horrible master, which is why Jesus tells us to be intentional about where we send it and where we spend it. He also said that the pleasures of this world is, is a weed. And the NIV translates that as a desire for other things. So what happens is we pursue and chase after uh, these seeds that get planted in the soil and we come to church and we hear from God and we weed the garden and then we go back out and we're constantly then sowing weeds within us, weeds of pleasure. And we wonder why the harvest doesn't come. And just as we said last week where we need to till the soil of our heart, maybe this week the application is weed your garden. And what are some things that you just need to remove and then trust that God will produce the harvest that he's going to produce? Because before God does something through you, he will always do something in you, always. And over the last several weeks, I've just kind of felt that message sort of percolating in my own life. It feels like the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me of that and telling me of that. And, you know, I know that um, all of us are tired of hearing about 2020 and the pandemic and everything that's gone on, but it's been such a brutally hard year. And I've just seen people's emotional health and spiritual health plummet. I've seen marriages crumbling and relationships falling apart because we're all just spiritually and emotionally exhausted. And maybe the word numb kind of comes to mind. We're just sort of numb. We're like, we feel buried by our circumstances. And we're wondering if God's going to produce any sort of harvest in our lives again, maybe even in the life of our church. And oftentimes I think that fear can get in the way of the harvest, what God wants to do. And I just um, wanna cast a little bit of vision for us as a church family, because there was a time in the middle of 2020 somewhere when things were so disorienting, where I just thought, I don't know, like maybe our best days as a church family are behind us. I didn't know if I'd ever see a room full of people like this again. And I got to tell you, like the last 14 years that I've been able to serve with you in this church have been such a ride and it's been so amazing to see. And there was like this crisis that I went through last year. Like, how do we do ministry into the future? Like, what does this look like? And I just sort of felt buried and it, it didn't help that I had a number of people reaching out to me saying, Aaron, do you think Jesus is going to return this year? I don't know how many people reached out to me on Easter of 2019. So you think Jesus is going to return on Easter? And honestly, like I was like, well, I hope not because like I really like the message I want to preach that day. Like, <laughs> and here's my thing with, when it comes to like the return of Jesus. Like I just want you to know that there's a lot of, it should never invoke fear. And I think oftentimes that's our response to it. And um, Jesus told us in as many words, he said, listen, like, I don't even know. So you shouldn't spend much time speculating. 
So here's what I would say about the end times. We've been in the end times ever since Jesus returned to heaven the last 2,000 years. And he said, listen, anticipate, don't speculate. Because when you anticipate, you're looking forward to what he's going to do, the promises he'll fulfill. When you speculate, you take your eyes off of what it is that God wants to accomplish through you as you wait. And I just want you to know like, that um, we are emerging. And I feel as if God is beginning to stir some stuff underneath the soil, like for our church family. Like I really do believe, I really do believe that he's gonna, that our best days are ahead of us. I believe that what's happened in the world has stirred a lot of people up. And you're actually gonna see maybe even more of a greater divide. I think you're gonna see less lukewarmness. You're gonna see less half-heartedness and you're either gonna be full on or you're gonna be totally out. And what I wanna do as a church family is just draw our eyes towards heaven. I want you to tap into that lion in your lungs and I want us to begin to pray big, big prayers about what God wants to do in and through your life and what he wants to do through us collectively together to make a big difference for the kingdom of God here in our city and around the world. I want us to be ready. I don't want us to be asleep at the wheel. And so I just want you to know that um, those of you that have been around for a while, like we're getting ready to come into the summer months. And um, every summer between Memorial Day and 4th of July, I take what's called a study break. Many of you have heard that term. And a break's probably not the best way to describe it because I'm not necessarily like not working. I'm just redirecting what I normally do. So I'm like, instead of focusing on the message for the weekend, I'm thinking about a whole year's worth of sermons. And I'm just asking God for guidance. God, where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to be? What do you want us to hear? What do you want us to do? That's what I'm doing during that time frame. But then every seven years, the elders give every pastor on staff what's called a, a sabbatical. And that's a little different. Like a sabbatical is um, a spiritual renewal, like a disconnection from what you're doing for God so that you can get reconnected to God. And um, I know many of you are like, well, I'd like a sabbatical. And I'd say, I'd encourage you to take one in whatever context that looks like for you. But I, I will tell you this, the reason why this is so important is because, um, and I don't say this to make you feel sorry for any pastors on staff because there's so many blessings that come with it. But I will say that there are very few jobs in the world that are connected to your spiritual health. So like whatever you do for a living, like if you're spiritually hurting, I mean, you likely can probably compartmentalize that and go do your job. But if you're struggling as a pastor spiritually, wow, that's hard. And if you're not honest, you'll just fake it. And you fake it long enough, you'll burn out. And that's how people get hurt. So the elders very wisely have said, hey, man, every seven years, you just take a sabbatical. Uh, uh, Aaron, we don't want you getting your self-worth from what you do and your gifts. You just get away with the Lord. That's what I plan on doing this summer. And so, uh, and it comes at a good time. And actually, we decided this about 18 months ago. I was supposed to be up for sabbatical summer at 22. But about 18 months ago, before the pandemic hit, um, they said, hey, your son's going to graduate high school in 21. Why don't you guys take your sabbatical then, spend time as a family together? And that's what I plan on doing this summer. And so I just want you to know in June, uh, I'm going away with my family. Um, it's, it's been a tough year in a lot of ways. And we're just going to reconnect and connect with each other. July, I'm going to the mountains. And... Uh, and I'm, and I'm just going to get away and I'm just going to say, okay, God, wow, what a year. What do you want to do through us next? 
And then in August, we'll be re-entry and just coming back in and kind of figuring out where we're headed as a church. I share all that with you because I didn't want to tell you like at the end of May, right before I leave. Like, I just want you to know ahead of time. And I want to ask you to pray for me selfishly during those times that I could just hear from God and be renewed and be operating out of a place of a full tank. I also want you to know that um, our teaching pastor, Ryan Bramlett, he was supposed to go on his sabbatical last summer and uh, COVID ruined that just like it did everything. So Ryan actually is gonna be on sabbatical this summer as well. So I just wanna tell you, um, good luck. Um, it's gonna be open mic Sundays at Trade Point, right? Some of you are like, finally, my chance. Uh, uh, but I, I want you to know you're going to be in really, really good hands because I uh, asked some of my favorite preachers and teachers to come and to communicate the message this summer. You're not going to want to miss a single weekend. They're all incredible and amazing. You'll be hearing from a couple of our own people uh, on staff as well. Um, but I just want you to know that um, I genuinely am excited for the future that God has for us as a church. And I know there's a lot. I just want to encourage you, man, till the soil, weed your garden, because Ryan and I are coming back in the fall with our pants on fire. All right, and we're going to go, and we want to take, take big hills for, for God in this next season. And uh, maybe right now, you just need to re-invite God back into your life to do the work that only he can. And I remember uh, several years ago, I was going through a real challenging season in uh, my own life and ministry where I was working really, really hard for God, but I was growing more distant from him. It's never a good combination. And uh, we weren't really getting the results that I was hoping for. And I remember um, driving home from church and I was praying and I was praying angry prayers. And I was just like, God, where are you in this? Like we're working so hard and we're trying to reach people, but it doesn't feel like we're making any progress. And I don't know if any of you remember that movie, Jerry Maguire, where Tom Cruise says to Cuba Gooding Jr. in the bathroom, help me help you. Remember that scene? He's like, help me help you. And that's what my prayer turned into. I was like, God, man, I'm trying. Like, help me help you, God. And I pulled the car over and I cried and I just got real with him. And, um, there was nothing. Like I didn't hear from God. In fact, I got this sensation that he was laughing at me, which wasn't fun. And I was like, all right. So I went home and that night I got home and uh, my son uh, was just a toddler at the time. And Lindsay asked me if I would help rearrange some furniture around the living room and move the couch from this wall to this other wall. And so I'm like, okay. And so I'm, I'm behind the couch and I'm pushing the couch across the living room. And my son tucked in between me and the couch and he put his hands on the couch and he's like grunting and pushing hard. He wasn't doing a thing. But at one point he looked up at me and he goes, help me out, daddy. And right then I got it. That's why God, that's why I had the sensation God was laughing. I ain't doing a thing. I'm just trying to be as faithful as I can. Spiritual growth is not in my department. I'm just, to, I'm just charged with making sure that I'm gardening my soul so that God can do what he promised he will do. Look at me, God will do something through you. He will, but first he'll do something in you. Father, we come to you right now. I thank you for this story that you told 
that is, has so much application for our lives and is so fresh for us today. I pray that if there's somebody here right now that just is discouraged, feels like they've just been staring at the ground and nothing seems to have been happening, that today your spirit would encourage them to just stay faithful, to mind the soil of their heart, to continue to weed the garden and trust that you will do what you have promised you will do. It may not be on our timetable. It may not look exactly the way we would like for it to look. It'll be better because you will produce a harvest in our lives. So Father, I pray once again that as we lift up our voices, as we cry out to you, that you would meet us in this place and encourage us by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said,